Welcome Australia. It's that time again for another podcast from the Mate Team, where we try and get into your head with stuff that makes us sound smart. Sit back and relax. It's time for us to be mates. Boys, Bosco, Dom, how are we? Good, guys, you? Yeah, good, good. good. Our first official podcast. Pretty exciting. Yeah, we're <laughs> the fans have asked for it and we've delivered. I think. Well, we haven't yet. Actually, we have to deliver. <laughs> um, but, uh, Dom, what are we talking about today? Well, we thought we'd kick off and um, and you know, answer some of the questions about the mate business. We get asked a lot about uh, why mate, why internet, why, you know, how you guys are different to it, all the big guys. And, um, you know, we've got a pretty good business philosophy and some, some core values that we stick to. And, um, yeah, we thought we'd share some of them today. And, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, Mark, you can... Give us an idea of how the business started and, and why the business started. Yeah, cool. Well, I think um, I, I, one thing I like about the May business, I think we've got a, a really authentic and unique story to where we started and where we are today. And I think uh, uh, with that comes a lot of learnings, a lot of frustrations that we've come across along the way, but a lot of the a lot of the good things that we did as well, which I think that um, you know a lot of businesses or a lot of people can you know take on board and consider when they're thinking about starting a business or even thinking about their careers. And if we take a step back to probably, you know, sometime in 2015 when, um, you know, my identical twin brother David, uh, David is our CEO of the business. Um, you know, when I say CEO, I say that loosely <laughs> because he has got a personality. But then again, that's the reason why the uh, the culture is what it is today. Uh, you know, it all stops, stops uh, starts from the top down, right? But, um, you know, David used to work for a wholesale business that sold networks to people like us at Mate. Um, and so his goal was to obviously, um, you know, get partners on board to buy networks off him or off the business that he was working for. And I think David had um, some challenges in, in his in his life uh, through work and personally as well. And, you know, one of those being um, being involved in a corporate situation. You know, you're, you're only... Uh, uh, you're, you're sometimes you're handicapped by the the processes and the, the rules of a business, and I think it may. I, I think what we've done well over the last couple of years is broken a lot of the rules, right? To to be where we are today, and I think the the, the corporate world probably gave a bit of frustration and and, and uh, led Dave down a path of a bit of anxiety, which is probably not the best thing that you want to be with, uh, especially when you you probably work ninety percent of your week is at work, right? And um, you know, and, and David had the goal of um, tackling the MBN market, and that and that time, the uh, the big guys, the other talkers in the market, weren't really focusing on MBN, even though the MBN was being rolled out. They weren't focusing on that because the margin that were making on the old technology like ADSL, and I think uh, you know some people like Telstra and, and Optus etc. Potentially were making seventy points of margin with their ADSL networks, and you know. There was time for change and I think uh, what David did, he saw an opportunity to jump on the NBN bandwagon pretty quickly. Uh, you know, with Mate, we went out with unlimited data, uh, no contract NBN and I think we were the first to bring that to market in the NBN space and um, and that's sort of where it started. And, um, and if I talk about the where the business was located and <laughs> this is probably a funny story as well and... Uh, the business started in my auntie's backyard and I think, and Ross will talk uh, in a second about that as well because he was there from the beginning. But literally, we were, you know, uh, David and I and Ross and a lot of the business are from uh, Italian backgrounds and so 
uh, at my auntie's backyard. She had a big sort of what they call a cabana, which is the, the room that we used to use for family parties. And uh, that room was ultimately turned into an office. And David started the business with his laptop sitting on a filing cabinet. Um, and the rest is history, right? And, um, and, and look, Ross, you were there and you, uh, you experienced this firsthand. Uh, you know, what, what, what's, your, what's your, uh, your memories of being in the Amani's back office? Yeah, it was um, <laughs> it was a funny time. So yeah, I, I still remember Dave working on the filing cabinet. I still remember the day I went in to actually speak to him about um, joining the business. And look, it was a big jump because um, you know I, I had a pretty stable job, and and you know I spoke to Dave, and you know coming in, we, you know, it was in my auntie's backyard. Dave was on the filing cabinet. It's not sort of something that's you know that points to a secure job, but um, you know, I guess we don't we all dove in and, and, and started from there. So, look, I remember back in, uh, you know, a few things uh, tripped my memory. So the, one of the first ones was I remember actually building uh, our sales form using Google Docs. Um, <laughs> you know, we had, back then we had no systems or anything like that. So we pretty much built everything from scratch. Um, so, yeah, we, we had a Google Docs uh, document that I worked on over a few days and that was uh, some of our first sales were made through that. Um, which was interesting to say at least we had no um, online uh, sales form on the website we had a we had a web a basic website but um, there was actually no way to sign up online so everything was done over the phone um, which yes. is which is crazy right I think Very today crazy. we're we're what 60 40 online or was it 50 50 nearly online with sales versus offline as well and if you think about internet um, there's a lot of questions to understand or a lot of answers required for MBN you know what technology you are and stuff like that and to be a business that was over the phone was pretty, pretty. I mean, I guess uh, if you want to put it this way, Ross, we, we did what we need to do to start a business, right? Correct. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And um, the other thing we did was build a call center. I mean, we won't get into too much detail, but <laughs> <laughs> there was actually uh, the building was extended eventually. Um, you know, when I first started, there was only about three or four of us, and you know, we grew we grew very rapidly and, and very quickly, and um, you know, yeah. So we, we we did expand, and and we eventually we. We outgrew that, and we're in our own office now. But um, well, actually, we're all working from home now due to uh, the coronavirus. But um, but yeah, so it was um, it was very interesting times. Um, and you know, it was only it's only about four years ago, but it feels like twenty years. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I mean, I think apart from our growing the backyard, I think that the council pushed us a bit to to move out as well, <laughs> Just right? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I think um, you know, me being you know, I was living overseas, working for Microsoft for the last couple of years, and. You know, and always had a, it was always in touch with the mate business, obviously because it's a lot of the family work there. But um, uh, you know, turning up one on a trip back from Singapore and you know using swipe cards to get into my auntie's house because there's now an office in the backyard. It was a, uh, it was funny but also quite inspiring to to grow something from nothing, literally in your auntie's backyard. But I think the good thing about that is that uh, being uh, being in my auntie's backyard and also. Um, uh, being from Italian heritage, the uh, lunchtime bistro was fantastic, right, Ross? It was, <laughs> yeah. So we um, back in back in the day, we used to actually go inside to eat. So we used to leave the office and go in, inside the house, and our auntie would cook for us every day, and there was a hot meal, <laughs> usually pasta and uh, meatballs and things like that. So yeah, we, we look, we were looked after. We still are, uh, but we were looked after from day one. Yeah. So, but I think that one one tradition we kept live and um, is that when we moved to the new office. We kept we brought the army with us, <laughs> yeah, right? We did. And I think uh, I think that's a I think that's quite close to the culture and the and sort of the the heart of our business as well, which we'll we'll talk through as well. Yeah, and um, 
I guess uh, probably a good thing to touch on there is uh, is why we in fact chose to start um, an internet business. I mean, Mark, you, you touched on it a little bit with David's background, um, etc., working at M2, or which is now called Vocus. But um, yeah, wh- why did we choose internet? And, and can you elaborate on that a bit further? Uh, pass it on to Dom, eh? Yeah. So, um, look, I think yeah, Mark did touch on the opportunity was there. The NBM was sort of starting to roll out and of the big guys really jumped on board because they had this legacy product that uh, was d- doing the job and um, you know someone like Telstra for instance owned a bunch of the infrastructure that they not only had to upkeep but they had to keep subscribers on to, to pay bills so um, you know we saw an opportunity to not only get on board with the NBM but to do it better than everyone else you know at the time everyone was locking into 12 24 month contracts um, you know, you'd pay for X amount of data, and once you went over that, you you get you'd have to pay more, or you'd be slowed. Um, you know, and and then when you had a problem, you had to call overseas generally. Um, and you know, and based on all that, right? Like being, an, uh, I was once an outsider, and as you were, Dom, as well, right? Um, and you would think that that stuff is, you know, like it's not rocket science, right? But uh, but no one was doing it, right? And no one was doing it the right way. What we feel is the right way. And I think that w- and that was the opportunity. But I think customers were frustrated at at that th- that that. But it was also accepted that that's how you did business that's the way in telco. Was, yeah. You know, you wanted to buy a new handset for a mobile. You signed up for twenty four months, and they gave you a handset. And in two years' time, you went and got a new one, and and you upgraded. Um, so yeah, like you know, we saw by doing some simple things like taking away contracts, um, giving unlimited data to everyone, and and, and basing our call center in Australia that. Uh, we could do it better and differently. And, and things like contracts, you know, we, we back ourselves that our service and our quality, our network and our pricing is good enough that you're happy to stay with us. Um, and, you know, we've seen recently during across the, the COVID situation that lots of our competitors have had challenges with their uh, overseas support and um, and even with their local support. So, you know, long wait times, even just getting on hold, in touch with people. And, you know, one of my biggest frustrations before joining the business was when you did have an issue with anyone that is based overseas, but, you know, you talk to five, six different people, you explain yourself five or six different times, you may not get a resolution, the call may drop out and, um, you know, walking in to, to mate and telling people that I've joined mate, that was the first thing I, t- I tell people and everyone resonates. Everyone's got an experience like that and it's, it's an easy sell from there. Yeah, and I think you hit the... the Needle on the head, is that the right word nail. for it? Nail. nail on the head, there you go, right? And I think there's a, there's a bunch of things you called out there, right? I mean, and the, the challenge is that the reasons why we started, mate, are still some of the reasons why we do it today. Um, and I think that uh, a, lot of, a lot of people, uh, I think personally, and, and, you know, I've lived in Asia for a couple of years as well, I think um, Australians don't adapt as quick as other markets. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that um, we don't have to adapt as quick because there's not that urgency or that desperation to do so, like in other markets where you know, the economy is much lower or, or, or things like that. Um, so there's a, b- a bunch of that. And two, I mean, Australians uh, uh, don't like change, right? I mean, that's, that's what I find. And, and it, you can see that from online sales in Australia, right? We're probably the slowest in the world, or one of the slowest in the world, to adapt to an online uh, sales sort of scenario. Even though online sales are huge in this market, but compared to the trends in across the world, we've, we've probably gone slower, right? And, and so, and that's, that's part of that as well. And I just think that um, we've, by keeping to our core over the last couple of years, keeping to our strategy, I think that's really driven the success of our business. I think the MBN itself has 
and the confusion around the NBN and the bad press they probably got at the start has complicated that even for, yeah. for people. You know, we, we send Frankie out on the streets to chat to some of uh, the general public and our customers and the overwhelming feedback is that the NBN's a bad thing or they're not going to change. or And people don't understand that, you know, if they haven't already, they're going to have to very soon move from existing ADSL networks or cable onto the NBN. And, you know, we try to make that, s- that process as smooth as possible for people, um, you know, maintaining that consistent communication, you know, making sure that whatever happens, um, people get the best experience possible and, you know, take away some of those myths. And, you know, we try to educate our customers and also people that aren't our customers yet as much as possible to, you know, give them confidence that, you know, it's not all gloom and doom and, um, you know, they can be in safe hands with mate too. Yeah, and I think, look, I think uh, to touch on that point as well, I think everyone that works for us has actually, almost everyone who works for us has MBN or has switched to MBN. So the customers that are talking to our um, employees have gone through the same situation as them. So when it comes to technical issues and, and, you know, issues um, switching across to MBN, we feel like we can explain it better. And I think that if people can understand, even though sometimes it's not always ideal when there's problems, but if people can understand where we're coming from and that we're, you know, we're, we're here to help and we've experienced that as well, um, I think, you know, comparing that to an overseas call centre where they may be reading off a script, uh, yeah. for example, um, I think that's a big thing. Hey, I think the point to, to raise here is that overseas call centres aren't the issue. It's education of people Correct. in overseas call centres that's the issue, right? I think, um, you know, outsourcing... People see it as an easy, uh, a cheap and effective and easy way to get up and running. But what you leave behind is the education of those people in that call centre for them to be able to service a customer properly. And that's where the frustration comes in. You know, and, and a lot of people say, um, you know, oh, Australians are racist to overseas call centres and things like that. Uh, look, there may be, <laughs> be a fair true a bit of that, right, in this, in, this, in this country. I get that. But if the person on the other end was delivering a solution for a customer, then that would never even come into into effect, right? Correct. That wouldn't even be a thought process. And I think and that's the reason why we've chosen to, to keep our service on shore because we know that we're going to talk to a customer and deliver them a solution that makes sense to them because we have experienced what they're experiencing. Correct. And that's yeah. the difference. Sometimes just that little bit of context that and, and understanding from a customer's perspective that, oh, yeah, they've been through it too or they know that this wire goes into this, this socket because they've plugged it in themselves as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that when I read our reviews and our customer feedback that, you know, it's nice to see when people say, oh, you know, they, the, the customer service person listened to me and they answered my questions and they, you know, sat and thought for a second about what the right response was or they tried something different as opposed to, you know, ticking a box, oh, sorry, we can't help you too hard. So, Yeah, and it's a good point. If, if you want to uh, – don't, don't listen to us, listen to our customers. And if you go to productreview.com.au and search for mate – you'll see where we come up and you, and you can hear firsthand from our customers. And the good thing about productreview.com.au is that it's verified customers, Ross. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, so every, any, any person who leaves a review for Mate has to be a customer. So they basically have to supply proof that they're a customer, which is like an invoice or an email saying they've signed up. So um, it's all legitimate uh, reviews. Well, and I think it's a good point to the listeners as well. So we we absolutely pride ourselves on our review and our service and we know reviews are really important and they become more important each day so just make sure you choose the right review platform to focus on um, for your industry or for the type of product that you're selling you know we chose 
productreview.com.au to focus on because that's sort of uh, probably the known place for the, in the telco industry. And the other thing as well, we're able to verify our customers. So whether it's good or bad, um, the review, we know it's coming from a place of truth versus a place of made up and getting all your friends to go and give yourself a good review, which challenging sometimes when Google, because Google it's all open, right? And it, um, even a bit of Trustpilot as well, even Trustpilot, you don't verify customers. So... I don't know. I think in, in our world that we can put our rule, um, I guess, our, our back behind the product review stuff because we know it's verified. So we talked about, um, you know, how we do different business business differently and, you know, uh, you know, our customer approach and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's our people that, that drive that. Baz, you know, tell well, us a bit about why well, our people are different. And uh, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but I think it's worth to point out that we, we classify, mate, as a customer happiness business, right? We classify ourselves as a customer happiness business that happens to sell to, uh, telco products like internet and mobile. And so, if you look at the market today, right? Um, a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of providers now out there. So since um, since December 2018, um, uh, you've seen nearly a hundred new providers in the market. Some big, some small, some medium. And I think. If you look at the comparison sites and things like that, there's not much of a muchness when it comes to, you know, monthly services for, for your internet um, plans. You know, a lot of people doing unlimited data, a lot of people doing no contract. Um, and, uh, you, you need to, and, and you need to find a differentiator in the market, right? And obviously, we view ourselves as our service being the differentiator in the market. And that's why we start with being a customer happiness business. And, and, that, and that sort of... Um, dovetails into the type of people that we look to get into our business and I think um, to become a customer happiness business you need to have passionate staff members you need to have uh, staff members that are bought into the business and that are dedicated to to the doing their job uh, and, and our job is obviously se selling services but more importantly servicing the customers and when we talk about customer happiness and the reason why we and some people say to me well why don't you call yourselves a, are you not a customer service business or uh, what's the difference between that and customer happiness and and there's a couple of things right one, one thing is that we we sell mbn and the mbn is made by somebody else we sell mobile phones, right, and the network uses Telstra. So there's always that last 10% that we don't have complete control over, right? And that's and that's why um, when you don't have control over something, you can make some, you can still make somebody happy, right? And I think that when there's sometimes when the, the the little times where there's some challenges with services and which is out of the control of mate for certain reasons, that's where sort of service stops and happiness has to come in. Right? And you need to make sure that the customer's happy with what you're providing and what you're doing, um, even though there may be a challenge with the service. If they're happy, they're going to be part of your business and loyal to what you do. Um, and I think uh, and that, that dovetails into a lot of the things that we're trying to look for when we look for staff, right? And, I mean, Ross, you can talk about some of our staff in the business, you know, like talk about some of the stories, Frankie, Racco. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, look, we're a bit... Um uh, unique, I guess, um, in in our staff. So look, we've got mo look most of the people who work here. Um, when they first started, they had no experience in the telco industry, and I know people listening will probably think that's crazy. Um, but pretty much 95 percent of our staff have ha that work here have had no experience in telco before. 
So, you know, I look at Frank, for example. Frank was a, he's, a, he's a renderer by trade. Um, he's a hairdresser by trade as well. Um, and he's now in our sales team um, and has also been in our provisioning team before. And um, if, let's point out Frank here. Who's Frank into our business, Dom? Who's Frankie to our business? He's he's our face. He's our you know he's the guy with the big beard and you know hitting people up on the streets on social media and you know Frankie's uh, he's the guy that interviews all our our ambassadors and you know I think we call him our customer champion. Yeah, our customer champion. Well, Frankie, uh, we're definitely going to have a podcast around Frankie just himself as well. I think it's important. You know, Frankie's interviewed. Uh, Samantha Kerr, Maddie Ryan, and and so on and so forth, and so he Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair as well from the WWE. So he truly is the customer champion. But um, yeah, yeah, and then we've also got other people like Mark um, Racco, who uh, is a was a form worker by trade. Um, uh, you know, been a tradie all his life. Um, uh, you know, joints starting to go. Um, saw an opportunity here and taken it by both hands. And he's one of our now one of our customer service managers. Um, in the team, so um, you know, there's there's a lot more stories like that. I mean, people who have come from different backgrounds. Um, if you if you go around the office, um, everyone's got a different story. Um, none of it's involved in telco or telecommunications or internet or anything like that. So yeah, and I think there's two key things to point out here, right? Yeah, I think that really speaks true to our values, and we have four key values that we live and die by in this business. It's about authenticity, being very authentic in what we do, uh, whether it be the way we treat our staff or our messaging. It's about inclusion. Inclusion's big to us, right? And we spoke about... And inclusion talks about all different uh, things, right? And I think one thing that we spoke about there is that it doesn't matter what type of experience you've got, you've got an opportunity in our business, and I think inclusion is huge. Um, we talk about simplicity. So our view is to make sure that everything that we do is as simple as possible. And we know we're not perfect, right? And we know we need to work at being uh, we need to work at being better every day. But the thing is, we do work at being better every day, which is the difference. And the last one is family. And um, I think uh, family is huge uh, huge to us. And whether you are actually family when you come into the mate business or you're new to the mate business. By the end, of, by the end of the by the end of the day, you're part of the family, and that's that's key. And and so I think if you talk about um, you know uh, the identical brother being uh, our CEO, that's my brother. Ross being our cousin, or Bosco being our cousin. Dom, uh, being I've worked him for ten years, and the the poor guy keeps coming back. I don't know, <laughs> I don't why. know why. I don't know why that. But um, you know, from uh, my auntie cooking every day to all of that, and I think uh, that's one of the biggest values, and I think that drives the passion we have in this business. Yeah, and look, you, you say customer happiness, but at the end of the day, if you don't have happy staff, then um, you know, you're not going to pass that happiness on to customers. And well, yeah, well, what's our mission? What's our mission statement? We should mention our mission statement. Yeah. So uh, our mission statement, uh, uh, mate, is that we are the everyday people providing products consumers want with the value and service that they deserve, right? The everyday people providing products consumers want with the value and service they deserve. And I think that... Um, that mission statement is probably um uh, for us when we when we deliver that as a business and decide to do that i think it was future proofing our business because look what happened in the last three months with covid right it's the everyday people we are the everyday people providing products consumers want internet and mobile was essential services with the value and service they deserve and what we delivered was value and the service that aussies deserve right and if you look at the the stories and the nightmare stories from competitors and and the big guys, if you want to call them that in our space, it's a nightmare. People can't get in touch with them. People can't call them. People can't, can't ever get in touch with them to get the service they require. And I think especially in the last three months, we really delivered on our mission. 
So obviously the you know the last few months have been a bit of turmoil everywhere, but we do have you know, as much as things change, we do have a strategy around our customers, and, and you know we we say our customer strategy is based on three pillars of head, hearts, and hands. Baz, can you give us a bit of a rundown of what that you see that is? Yeah, I think, um, and if anybody that's listening listening to this that knows me is knows that I've used head, heart, and hands in over the last ten years in in everything that I do, and I and I still to this day it's still when it comes to uh, acquiring customers, supporting customers, and keeping customers. I still believe that the head, the triple H, I call it, is the most effective way. And the head, uh, as Dom says, triple H stands for head, heart, hands. And the whole purpose is here is that if you're able, if you're if you're able to get into a customer's head with information that matters to them, right? And that's the key: provide information that empowers them to to uh, you know be better at what you're trying to sell them or what you're trying to deliver to them. That, that 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 information enables you to get into their head, all right. And once you're in their head, you can you can get into their heart, and that's with offering a value or a service or offering something on their birthday and things like that. And that will get into their hearts. And if ultimately, if you're in their heads and you're in your hearts, then they're ultimately going to do something with their hands, which is buy your product or or stick with you or be a loyal customer or buy something else from you. And so. No matter what strategies you put in place around service, what processes, what systems, what tools and things like that, if you always come back to the overall goal and the concept, which is head, heart, hands, you can't go wrong. And I think that's something that we deliver in our message to our business today. And I think every time you, you think about a new customer come in, give them information that they feel is important to them, that they feel empowered, that enables them to, to choose you as a provider or as a service, then... Once they're in, give them a good price, give them a good a good value, give them something they haven't experienced before. That gets into their hearts, and ultimately, what's going to happen? They're going to buy something and do something with their hands. And that sort of filters that's to filter down from everyone, right? Not it's not just the people at the top and no, you know, the marketing spiel. Everyone in the whole business needs to be on the same page. Don, when it comes down to staff, right? I think staff that you have in your business as well, because if you're not delivering that same message to your staff, why would they deliver it to your customers? Um, and I think that's that's crucial in in every part of everything that we do. And I think when we talk about our brand, when we talk about our messages, how we go to market, all that's in there as well. It starts with information that makes the customer uh, enables the customer with what they want or un- understanding what they need to get. Then it, it gets them in by the the value or the service or the 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 imagery or the message that you do. And then ultimately is a call to action, which is buy something, right? And so I think um, I think it's true in every part of our business, not just in service. And I think, you know, we've talked about all this, but our people keep coming back as that key thing. Correct. Should we touch on why, you know, who we bring into the business and why we bring those people well, into the business? And I think the recruitment strategies, my opinion, may not be the most orthodox way of doing it, but I think it's it's the way that works for us. And Dom, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, look, you know, uh, there's lots of businesses where you need specific skill that, you know, I want my doctor and my uh, and lawyer and everyone to know what they're doing. Um, but, you know, one of our big <coughs> beliefs in this business is that, if we get the right people from a cultural and an ethic, a hard work ethic, and you know they're on the on the bus as as we say, um, then we can teach them the rest. And you know you need some level of skills, but um, you know if you've got if you're keen enough to get to learn something, um, we can teach you how to do it, and that, that's you know, not not going to stop you in this business. Uh, ambition, attitude, um, and drive and, and drive and trust, right? That. That is a number one recruitment factor. Uh, I think the rest can be taught in a lot of ways. And I think, like you said, Dom, skills are obviously important. And, you know, if you look at 
who's running this podcast, you know, uh, Ross, you come from a journalism background, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and you're doing a lot of things that you probably haven't done before, right? Yeah. And so, Dom, you've come from multiple backgrounds, you know, on the agency side and, um, you know, brand side when it comes to marketing, selling services, all those different things, right? Um, I come from a very tech background, but not from a tech point of view, understanding tech, it's about selling tech and marketing tech and, and I'm not a technical person. Now I'm talking about bloody trace routes and, <laughs> and uh, what else is there, CVC and backhaul and IP trans and, and all these things that I've learned and uh, uh, I've, I've had to learn things from like things like SEO and stuff like that, right? And so I think uh, what it does, it, it's probably if, you, if you're a person with the right mindset and we know the buzzword is growth mindset, we can take you to. We can take you on a journey in our business, and um, as long as you've got the drive to learn and and to face challenges, um, you know, head on. I think our business can take you to to anywhere you want to go, and that's proven from from Racco, who's a, uh, a tradesman, from a hairdresser, who's Frankie, to where they are today. And I think you mentioned you mentioned trust, and I think that's probably the big thing. You know, every, everyone has to build that trust, but at the end of the day, if um, if everyone has that confidence and trust in you, then can go anywhere i remember the day that i came in to um to have a chat to the boys about about coming on board and um a little bit different to ross's situation the business was far more advanced by that stage and uh there was no filing cabinets to, as desks but um i remember one of our senior guys saying you know at the end of the day i can i know that i can get ten thousand dollars cash and sit it on the table here and go away for two weeks and every single person in the business no one's going to touch it it's going to be there when i get back and you know that's the one of that was his you know yardstick of, of of the business as well yeah well i mean i think that's been i think that's probably given a lot of people some insight to our business we we really do call it peeling back the covers and i mean there's obviously a, a, a lot more to our story and um and especially the, the success hasn't come from just us three right there's a whole team out there in the office and working from home at the moment to to deliver on our goals and i think um i think the one thing that keeps us on f- focused and successful is our system is our our brand values our mission as a business and the process that we've done and i think uh, we should be proud of that as a business and uh, look I ho- I hopefully today you've learned something about uh what it means to start up a business i think <laughs> the key things is that it doesn't have to be what people think is normal right and because we're definitely not normal um in <laughs> a good that way again? that is it just you know do you right is the key and whatever you need to do to get it up and running you'll you'll get it done and then the next part is it, it'll evolve as it goes and i think uh i think that's the sort of the message you're trying to deliver today uh bosco Dom, anything else you want to add oh i guess just like moving forward it's you're not just going to hear from us there's you know we're going to have some guests on we're going to talk about different topics you know um it's not ju- you know you heard a bit of the mates a bit of the mate story and there's probably some more to talk about that but um, I think this whole series is going to evolve and um, you know be educational and entertaining and um, we'll try and keep it fun and lighthearted as well. Bosco, anything else to add before we go? No, um, had a, had a had a good time. All right. Well, uh, thank you to everybody that listened. Uh, well look look uh, look out for the next podcast. Thanks for joining everybody and listening in. See you soon, mate. Thanks for listening to the Let's Be Mates podcast by the team at Mate. Search for the Let's Be Mates podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube and at letsbemates.com.au. Hit subscribe to get the latest episode each week. For all your telco needs, choose a provider you can trust like a mate. Visit letsbemates.com.au, Google Mate or call us on 13 14 13 to sign up today.